Chapter Seven of *The Quiet Flame* by Eva Capetz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. A signal at night. During his stay at Branch Hospital, Father Damien had accomplished a great deal. The fact that Malachi was so often used as a place of punishment made law-abiding patients reluctant to go there. Yet, because of overcrowded conditions at Branch Hospital. It was plain that before long a good many of the sick people must be moved to the other island, in spite of their protests. To these Father Damien had pointed out how much better off they would be on Molokai. Here, he said, you are confined. Other people will not come near you because you are different, diseased. On Molokai all your neighbors are just like you, and no one scorns you. And may we move about? asked one young man. Of course. You may ride horseback, climb the hills to get fruit and berries, and fish all you want to. You can spend long hours in the surf gathering seaweed and shellfish. You are, to a very large extent, free to live your own lives, quite different from the way it must be here where you are so confined. This new angle interested a good many of the patients. Hawaiians need to be free, and the knowledge that on Molokai they would have a good measure of freedom made the move there less objectionable. Not all of them felt that way, of course, particularly unwilling to leave Honolulu were the group of men who, in spite of reprimands and punishments, still persisted in gambling. They wanted no break in their ranks, wanted to continue in the pastime, even though it was particularly bad for them because of their nervous and mental constitutions. Others, who had known comfort and care for the first time after the sisters arrived, did not want to leave this solace. They were unaware of the fact that Mother Mary Ann was planning to go to Molokai, too. In a letter to Syracuse, dated February 16, 1887, she had said, in part, You are aware that our work up to the present time extended from Honolulu to Waliku, Maui. In Honolulu we have one hundred leper patients under our care, and in the same yard we have the Kapiolani home with thirteen girls. In Waliku we have a general hospital and a girls' school, but you will remember that from the first it was expected that some of us would sooner or later go to Molokai. After her talks with Father Damien, Mother Mary Ann had decided that now was the time. She was just waiting until, under Mr. Gibson's direction, a proper home was built with funds supplied by a generous Hawaiian named Mr. Bishop. During this wait, things were far from calm at Branch Hospital. Sister Crescentia had once faced and conquered the will of troublemaker Tom Birch, the king and queen, on a visit to the hospital, had made it plain to the men that they must be obedient, must cooperate with the sisters. They seemed quite docile. The nuns saw neither opium smoking nor gambling among them. So when Mother Mary Ann, ever careful of the sisters under her charge, told Sister Crescentia that she must have a little vacation, there was no worry or upset. While Sister Crescentia went to Maui for a rest, Sister Benedicta could easily take charge of the men patients. Among them was a well-educated young Hawaiian, Judge Kaluna. His music added much to ceremonies in the hospital chapel, where he played his plaintive flute during Mass and at benediction. He was the father of five children, whom he had been obliged to leave, and the sisters were very pleased with the way he had adjusted to his exile. It all seemed serene to Sister Benedicta when she took over the new duties, and she sailed into the work with a will. Mother Mary Ann, however, had an uneasy feeling. The surface of life was unnaturally and somewhat ominously placid, it seemed to her. 
so she was unhappy but not too surprised when one of the men said he wanted to speak to her the other men the gamblers he said they are planning bad things what kind of bad things i don't know just what but they want to get rid of you of all the sisters why bye-bye if you go mr van geesen comes back they hope he don't care much if they gamble but i thought they didn't gamble any more mother mary ann was distressed oh yes they don't stop at all tom birch says if anyone tell he kill is tom birch the ringleader the boss tom birch is big boss judge kaluna is next boss mother's heart sank judge kaluna had seemed to be a fine person in every way he had appeared to be grateful for the care and nursing given him it was depressing to learn that he was part of the motley gang of gamblers tom birch still resented having been deposed from the position of power he had held under mr van geesen he was outwardly less difficult but inwardly he seethed with anger and hope for revenge the judge a higher type and with finer tastes normally was resentful at being separated from his family even though he knew it was necessary together they could indeed cause trouble when names were read listing the group which was to go from brant hospital to molokai judge kaluna was included mother mary ann noticed the glance exchanged between him and tom birch but that was all except for a queer stillness that settled over some of the men days were exhausting sores still had to be dressed the girls school taught and the little group which was interested received religious instruction besides that they were packing in preparation for the men who were to go at night the nuns were almost played out one night they were awakened not sure yet what had aroused them they listened it came again a queer mournful call in the darkness probably the whistling moan of a conch shell the unforgettable tone of the native signal but who blew it who was calling and who being called mother mary ann looked out her window there were no lights no movement in the black night the puzzle remained unsolved and was forgotten as the men went off not to return even in death they could not pass through the city of honolulu so they had to load into small boats on the hospital shore and go from there to their ship there was heart-shattering grief in listening to them sing their aloha oe the islanders farewell as the little boat pulled away before his boat left judge galuna said he wanted to speak his true nature shone out in his talk in which he said that too late he regretted the trouble he had made for the sisters he spoke of the beauty of soul and generosity of heart possessed by mother mary ann when he finished there was dead silence then suddenly a cheer was raised cheering the sisters waving their hats and handkerchiefs the men were off to molokai tom birch was the only one of the troublemakers left and with the loss of his henchmen combined with the progress of his sickness even he had quieted down but there was mr stillwell he was an american of enough means to permit him to have his own little place on the grounds and to keep a servant he was very devoted to the sisters and had never had anything to do with the unruly members of the colony but he was a big powerful man with a fierce temper when crossed and he seemed to take a rather grim delight in terrifying sister leopoldina who usually attended him he had lived a violent exciting life working in the goldfields of california and he used to enjoy telling stories of those days it is probable that he heightened the dangers a bit added to the number of men he had fought and sometimes killed but even so the tales held sister spellbound as she cared for him 
at the same time she shivered in fear of his anger even when not riled he was a little frightening for he carried a cane of about the thickness of a baseball bat and used to pound the floor with it for emphasis it was this stout cane which haunted sister leopoldina one morning when mother mary ann spoke to her sister i must go into town on business she said sister crescentia will drive me she manages the new horse very well what time do you expect to be back mother around noon i should think while i am away i want you to take my place in the office mother suppose mr stillwell comes and demands morphine just say i'm not here he will wait but will he mother of course he will what else can he do unfortunately with the pictures of mr stillwell's face contorted by rage and of his heavy cane in front of her sister leopoldina could think of many things he could do and none of the things was pleasant she walked across the quiet grounds toward the office and opened the door her knees trembled and her head swam there inside the office leaning on the knobbed end of his cane was mr stillwell good morning mr stillwell's greeting was pleasant good morning mr stillwell mother has gone to town sister leopoldina got the information in at once in the hope of forestalling a demand for morphine if one was to be made yes i know she has it's such a pleasant morning i thought i'd walk over and see you with a show of composure sister walked to the desk and started working on accounts her guest watched for a moment and then began pacing up and down the room up and down banging his cane on the bare floor with each step it was plain to sister who knew him well that he was planning to tell a story she hoped he would even though it would hold up her work for while he talked he might not think of his pain and of the drug which killed that pain sister he said at last do you remember hearing a strange whistle or call a few nights ago indeed i do mr stillwell it gave me the shivers what was it do you know what did it mean yes i can tell you and i'll tell you something more if you had known then what it meant you would really have had the shivers wide-eyed sister put her work aside and gave all her attention to her guests the men were angry with mother mary ann because she had broken up fights and insisted on discipline in fact they resented all of you and did not want to go to molokai so they plotted to kill you sister gasped the gang met each night in tom birch's room and laid their plan on the chosen night mother was to be called from the house for an emergency she would be killed then they would rush the convent and kill the rest of you all of us no sister benedicta was to be kidnapped judge coluna was to escape along with the others once out he would leave them and taking his prisoner sister benedicta over the mountains with him he would go to his little farm where she could nurse him sister shuddered almost dizzy with horror that eerie whistle that whistle was the signal but what, what why didn't i got wind of something going on said mr stillwell with satisfaction i sent my houseboy john to spy on them since he is a native it was easy enough for him to join the gang and then mr stillwell's face flushed and his eyes popped in excitement they gave the signal and i let them see that i was there ready for them he swung his heavy club wildly. I was ready to crack open every head if they tried to hurt the sisters. The still unharmed muscles of his shoulders rippled, and his eyes took on a glint of near madness. But you were one, and they were many. They might have killed you, Mr. Stillwell. 
I doubt it. They were cowards. Mr. Stilwell left the office, his brutal, life-saving club thumping the ground as he walked away. Sister seated herself at the desk, trembling and sick at the recollection of Mr. Stilwell's story. Then suddenly she began to laugh, and was still laughing when Mother returned. She told Mother the story. But that wasn't funny, Sister. Mother was bewildered. What made you laugh so? I was remembering my last letter from my school friend, you remember, the one in which she said how she envied me my calm convent life on a peaceful island. I wonder what she would make of this incident. Mother Marianne laughed, too. You better not tell her about it, she said. It might disillusion her. Sister agreed, and Mother, still pondering disciplinary problems at the boys' school, started on her mountain of paperwork. End of chapter 7